Welcome to Second Impressions, the Pride and Prejudice podcast. My name is Tom. And I'm Grace. And we're going through Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice chapter by chapter. Today we're doing Volume 3, Chapter 9. Grace will give us a brief recap of Volume 3, Chapter 8 first. Sure. So, Volume 3, Chapter 8, not a whole lot happens. Um, Mr. Bennett gives the okay to let Mr. Gardner sort of take the helm at orchestrating Lydia's wedding in London, make sure that she is married ASAP. Um, We also find out uh, that, from Mr. Gardner, uh, that Wickham is actually going to be leaving the militia and joining the regulars, um, meaning he's going to join like the quote-unquote regular army and will likely be fighting overseas and will be stationed very far north, very far away from Hertfordshire, much to, I think, the delight of everyone, except maybe Mrs. Bennet. Um, Elizabeth also thinks a little bit more about her and Darcy's relationship and just kind of uh, really regrets even more now uh, than ever rejecting him the first time around. Um, And then, you know, after some persuasion on the part of Elizabeth and Jane, Mr. Bennet allows Lydia and Wickham to come home one one last time before they set off for the North as a show, as a gesture of like goodwill that Lydia has not been um, shunned from the family because they need to sort of preserve optics in town and make sure that everyone sees that Lydia is in fact welcome in the family, even though everyone in the family is very upset with her. <laughs> and that is chapter eight. So Tom, why don't you give us a brief summary of chapter nine? Okay, in chapter 9, Wickham and Lydia finally arrive at Longbourn, showing absolutely zero remorse. Mrs. Bennet, of course, is very happy to see them. Mr. Bennet and Jane and Elizabeth, not so much, especially when they see their attitude. But fortunately, the Bennets host lots of parties, and Mrs. Bennet and Lydia and Wickham go on many visits, which are relief to both, quote, the thinking and non-thinking members of the party. <laughs> I guess, you know, it takes their mind off of the, the horridness that is, like, everything that just happened. Uh, at least for Elizabeth and Mr. Bennett. For Lydia and Mrs. Bennett, they're just having a good time, and Lydia's having a fun time showing off her ring. We'll talk <laughs> about that more. Uh, and then the big, most important moment that happens in this chapter is... Elizabeth is talking to Lydia about her wedding day, and Lydia lich dropped the information that Darcy was there for some reason, and she's like, oops, shouldn't have said that, that's a big secret you weren't supposed to know about. And Elizabeth refrains from asking Lydia for more information on this, but she does write to Mrs. Gardner, asking her if she can fill her in on what all happened at the wedding and why Darcy would be there. Yep. Okay. Big, big drop there. Yeah, definitely. Thanks, Lydia. <laughs> uh, it's pretty safe to assume Lydia can't keep a secret, though. No. Well, we'll get into that, but no, never trust Lydia with a secret. Again, I just want to, we haven't mentioned this in a while, apologize for background noises. We are recording this in our apartments in Brooklyn, New York. Hard to block out every noise, but whenever you hear a plane go over and going overhead, just imagine it's a carriage in the street. <laughs> That's a good, yeah, that's a good uh, mental exercise. Mm-hmm. Just pretend that this carriage is in the back. Um, so, Grace, do you want to start reading chapter nine for us? Sure. Their sister's wedding day arrived, and everyone can breathe a sigh of relief. <laughs> and Jane and Elizabeth felt for her probably more than she felt for herself. Yes. And remember, Lydia and Wickham got married in London, far away from Longbourn. Yes. None of her family was at the wedding other than <laughs> the gardeners. And what does this mean? Jane and Elizabeth felt more for. Felt for her probably more than Lydia felt for herself. Just like the general shame of this like quickie marriage. Mm-hmm. I'm sure Jane and Elizabeth are feeling... Well, I'm sure Lydia does not feel an ounce of shame. And so Jane and Elizabeth are doing all of the... All of the legwork in that in that area. It's probably safe to say this is not the ideal circumstances for a wedding to happen under. Where none of your family is present right and it's happened under like like you're basically the husband had to be paid off to enter it right (laughs) yeah but i don't think we'll see how lydia feels about that but austin is speculating jane and elizabeth felt the shame of that more than lydia herself could feel right (laughs) the carriage was sent to meet them at blank a town and they were to return in it by dinner time Mm -hmm. probably a town near longbourn yeah so the the Bennett carriage was sent to meet Lydia and Wickham at this town. Yeah, so and they Lydia were, and Wickham yeah. would then get into that carriage and come back to Longbourn. 
Their arrival was dreaded by the elder Miss Bennets, and Jane more especially, who gave Lydia the feelings which would have attended herself had she been the culprit, was wretched in the thought of what her sister must endure. Okay, yeah, the elder Miss Bennets, meaning Jane and Elizabeth, and of those two, Jane especially is feeling wretched, right? Mm -hmm. At the thought of what her sister Lydia must be feeling. Well, okay, so Jane is undoing Lydia with all the thoughts that Jane would have had. And Jane's like, if I was in this situation, I'd feel mortified. Mm -hmm. So that must be how Lydia's feeling, I guess, right? Yeah. This is Jane's mental process. And we know Jane is always the thinking the best of people. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of a perverse thinking of the best. It's like, well, Lydia, she must have, like, some ounce of shame. So I'm sure she's feeling horrible on this occasion, as any decent person ought to, right? <laughs> yeah, like, that's the grace that Jane will extend to Lydia, is that, well, she must know that what she's done is atrocious. And mm -hmm. so I almost, I feel bad for the fact that she is fe she must be feeling so bad about what has happened. Right, yeah, I feel sympathy for Lydia, because she must know the, the gravity of what's going on, yeah. right? Well, let's keep going. Yeah. <laughs> they came... The family were assembled in the breakfast room to receive them. I love that they came, period. <laughs> no more needs to be said. <laughs> it's so, like, unceremonious, too. <laughs> like, and, and, and then they came, <laughs> and then they were here. Uh -huh. Smiles decked the face of Mrs. Bennet as the carriage drove up to the door. Her husband, Mr. Bennet, looked impenetrably grave. Her daughters, alarmed, anxious, uneasy. Mm -hmm. I love also that phrase, smiles decked the face of Mrs. Bennet. It's like decked the halls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also like multiple smiles. It's like Mrs. Bennet is just like in various stages of like elation uh, here. It's like this is a holiday for her. <laughs> it is a holiday yeah. for her. Lydia's voice was heard in the vestibule. <laughs> I love that. The door was thrown open, and she ran into the room. Okay, this is all very indecorous behavior. Uh -uh, it is yeah. not the way you're supposed to behave after coming home from a shotgun marriage. <laughs> this is not really how you're supposed to behave if you're, like, above the age of 12. In general, yeah. In general, it's indecorous to be so loud that you can be heard outside the room and then to run into it. Yeah, to throw the carriage door open and then run into the house. Running is actually kind of very indecorous in yeah. Austin's time. It's hard to convey, but it, it would be like, like Elizabeth or Jane would never run through the house. Well, the one time... Elizabeth did run up to Mr. Bennett. It would be in, like, a serious... Like, it would be a serious situation. Then. Oh, yeah. Uh -huh. Well, like, when Mr. Bennett received a letter from Mr. Gardner, and so Elizabeth and Jane had to run to catch him in the back in the garden or whatever, and Jane couldn't even keep up because running was just not a thing back then. Uh-huh. This is... I don't know. This is such a so off topic, but in the adaptation of Mansfield Park from like 2000, the film adaptation, they have Fanny Price, the heroine, running through the the halls of Mansford Park, which is a symbol of the fact that that movie followed no, no the book to no no degree that they totally perverted the character of Fanny Price. She would never run through anywhere. No. Uh. -uh. A lot of problems with that movie. Okay, anyway, that, that's off into. topic. But yeah, so <laughs> this is a very indecorous entry for Lydia and basically a symbol right away that she feels no regret. Yeah. Remember, like, Jane is expecting Lydia to, like, basically walk in with her, with her tail between her legs. And here Lydia, like, storms the house, essentially, on her own, you know, marching into the beat of her own drum. Okay. Her mother stepped forwards, embraced her, and welcomed her with rapture gave her hand with an affectionate smile to Wickham, who followed his lady, ugh, <laughs> and wished them both joy with an alacrity which showed no doubt of their happiness. Yeah, Mrs. Bennet wished Lydia and Wickham joy with a quickness, right, that mm -hmm. showed no doubt of her, their eternal happiness, <laughs> right? No, no, not an ounce of doubt uh -huh. is penetrating Mrs. Bennet's mind as to, like, the happiness of this marriage. Well... I'm sure she just thinks they're going to be happy. And also, it's important to remember, as stated in the last chapter, the marriage is all to Mrs. Bennet. It does not matter what comes after. Yeah. Their reception from Mr. Bennet, to whom they then turned, was not quite so cordial. His countenance rather gained in austerity, and he scarcely opened his lips. The easy assurance of the young couple, indeed, was enough to provoke him. <laughs> yeah. He, like, they just made this family go through hell. And are acting as if, like, nothing happened. And that's more than enough to, you know, piss off Mr. Bennett. Uh, what does easy assurance mean? Just, like, 
how easily they carry themselves as if like nothing happened like mm -hmm. like complete lack of shame yeah absolutely they're they're behaving as if like everything has just happened above the board mm -hmm. like they had like a beautiful like little wedding ceremony that was approved by the family and there was not <laughs> like a, a two-week period of elopement before it mm -hmm. right um okay elizabeth was disgusted and even Miss Bennett, even Miss Jane Bennett, uh -huh. was shocked. Yeah. So yeah, Jane is like, what the, what the absolute heck is going on? She can find no, like, good spin to put on this. Yeah. Lydia was Lydia still. Untamed, unabashed, wild, noisy, and fearless. This is... <laughs> so, I don't know, what do you think of that? What do you think of how... Austin, how Austin is describing Lydia here. Lydia was Lydia still, untamed, unabashed, wild, noisy, and fearless. Well, that's, that's pretty much sums up Lydia to me. I was, it's such a bold statement of static. Lydia is a static character is what this is telling us. But I don't think, like, I, I think I've said this before, but static characters sometimes can be used now as a shorthand for bad writing. But this is a very bold choice on Austin's part. And it's a way better choice than if Lydia had, like, come back sheepish and, like, mournful and guilty right i think like, you're right that would have been too preachy and austin would not preach to you and that's also not who lydia is we've right. seen no indication that lydia like anything will change lydia right well yeah well we've seen that people have to change as a result of events happening nothing has happened to lydia at least not to her knowledge that would um that would like provoke her to change well she has, well yeah. yeah she's done everything that she's ever wanted to and she got exactly what she wanted mm -hmm. more actually right. she got a husband a handsome charming husband and she doesn't really care about like finances honestly yeah she, i don't think those uh, <laughs> she doesn't think that much to <laughs> like be to give a thought to where's the money gonna come from well i i just appreciate like i don't know i think that it's way more honest and realistic to real life and also who Lydia's character would be that she would not change. Mm -mm. People, I don't know, maybe this, is, maybe this is a little bit bitter for me to say, but people very rarely change. And they certainly don't do like complete 180s to their character. Mm -hmm. People are very often like pretty much the same that they, that as like you would expect them to be. Unless like a, a huge life-changing event happened but for Lydia she has had she has no idea what has been going on in the background of her sham marriage uh -huh. so she's never had to you know sort of come face to face with all of her sins I think what Austin proffers which is much more realistic but also not sexy and definitely not something people want to think about is it takes a very special kind of person to change mm. it takes like an Elizabeth and a Darcy someone who is like intellectually capable of it and to, like yeah to recognize their faults and then make a choice to be better mr bennett changes for like a chapter but then in the last <laughs> chapter it says he's returned to all his former indolence you yeah. know yeah because he also very didn't really have to change like mr gardner took care of everything uh -huh. he didn't even have to go back to london to see his daughter marry mr gardner took care of everything so mr bennett has the intellectual capacity to change for a chapter before reverting <laughs> back to his normal life Mr. Collins has the ability to change for, like, maybe one sentence, right? <laughs> for, like, a it, moment. Uh, and Lydia has no ability to change. <laughs> Lydia's Lydia still, and that's why she's Lydia. <laughs> she turned from sister to sister, demanding their congratulations. And when at length they all sat down, looked eagerly round the room, took notice of some little alteration in it, and observed, with a laugh, that it was a great while since she had been there. Okay, well, to tackle the first part of the sentence, I love that she's, like, demanding congratulations from everyone. Yeah. We can imagine what that looks like. <laughs> and then she takes some little alter- notices some little alteration in the room, like, hey, that vase used to be there, and now it's here, right? <laughs> and uses that as a springboard to talk about how long it's been since she's been there, right? Yeah, as if she- well, I mean, it is, like, she has come back a completely changed woman. She's not even Lydia Bennett anymore. But it is hilarious that she's like, oh, you know, the time, the wheels of time have really turned since I've been here. And it's like, yeah, because like like you said, like maybe, you know, a vase has been moved from a room to another room or something. It's also kind of a signal that like Lydia is not ashamed to talk about all the time that has just passed. Yeah. Right? She's not ashamed to talk about any part of the, um, let's call it the courtship 
between her and Wickham. Uh, yeah, this is just the intro to, hey, I'm willing to talk about everything that just went down. <laughs> We're gonna, she's gonna get into it in much more explicit detail. Yeah. so much time has passed since I left this family. Wickham was not at all more distressed than herself, but his manners were always so pleasing that had his character and his marriage been exactly what they ought, his smiles and his easy address, while he claimed their relationship, would have delighted them all. <laughs> mm. Well, he claimed the relationship of the Bennets, I believe. Right? Yeah. Uh -huh. So Wickham is just as easygoing as Lydia is, without any ounce of shame. And, um, like, even if, like, his, his manners right now are just so charming as, as ever, that if he had gone the correct route mm. of um, marrying Lydia, then the family would have actually enjoyed his, his company here. Yeah, I think it's saying, like, Wickham is acting exactly as he would had he married Lydia legitimately. Yeah. And if he had married her legitimately, then these pleasing manners would have won over all the Bennets, right? right? But as, as it is, like, they only went over Mrs. Bennet. Yeah, it's in a whole new context now, his, his countenance and his manners. Elizabeth had not before believed him quite equal to such assurance as Lydia, I mm -hmm. think. But she sat down, resolving within herself to draw no limits in future to the impudence of an impudent man. I think also just such assurance could be like, oh, you know, the gall to like act like nothing's wrong here, yeah, right? Uh -huh. uh, right? So it says, Elizabeth had never be before believed Wickham equal to such assurance as being so brazen as he is right now, oh, yeah, right? Yeah. I don't know why Elizabeth thought he wouldn't have done it, but I guess before she was like, no way is Wickham going to roll in here and just act like nothing has been, nothing's wrong, right? <laughs> but now she sees him and she resolves within herself to draw no limits in the future to the imprudence of an impudent man. Yeah. So now she's like, all right, well, now it's like I... The, the the depths of shame that a shameless man will go to is unlimited uh, be because now I see Wickham just com completely unashamed with his behavior. Before I thought even shameful men would <laughs> had a limit of the level to which they'll stoop. And Elizabeth now realizes because of Wickham that shameless men will be as shameless as they want yeah. and will not stop. <laughs> There's no limit to their shame shamefulness. I, I mean, this is uh, not a very like, nice thing to realize about humanity, but mm. this is part of Elizabeth's journey also. Yeah. It certainly is, like, quite the one... I mean, she was... I think she thought she was in love with this man, mm -hmm. and now she's like, this is the most shameful human being to walk this earth. Not only is he so shame shameful, but he has no limits. Like, yeah. he, like <laughs> this is just, like, the surface still. <laughs> right. he, I can't even imagine how much more shameful Wickham can act than this, this right? Is, yeah, this is Satan incarnate. Uh, <laughs> She blushed, and Jane blushed. Elizabeth blushed, and Jane blushed. But the cheeks of the two who caused their confusion suffered no variation of color. I don't think that means confusion, as no, we know it. I think it means they're, like, just, they're getting, like, all up, all, like, in a huff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're, like... <laughs> Uh, not quite anger, but, like, like you said, like, internal, like, confusion, kind yeah. of. Uh -huh. I do like that we're not just looking like, if we're gonna, like, hone in on, like, not even the people, but, like, the cheeks of these people. Elizabeth is, Elizabeth's cheeks are red, Jane's cheeks are red, but the cheeks of the two people who are causing them to turn red are completely normal. Yeah, they're suffering the embarrassment that Lydia and Wickham should be feeling, right? Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, I'll continue. Okay. There was no want of discourse. There was no lack of talking. The bride and her mother could neither of them talk fast enough. And Wickham, who happened to sit near Elizabeth, began inquiring after his acquaintance in that neighborhood with a good-humored ease, which she felt very unable to equal in her replies. Mm. So now, just more gall. Wickham is now going to start, ch like, chit-chatting with Elizabeth, probably about all the people he owes debts to, right? <laughs> Elizabeth is unable to, like, barely respond to him. Maybe, like, one or two word responses, right? Yeah, because Elizabeth has some shame. Elizabeth is... Elizabeth is not going to, like, play into his game of, like, let's just pretend that nothing happened. I think Wickham is ready to go back to flirting with Elizabeth, as he did in the last time we saw Wickham before all this happened, when he yeah. was, like, trying to turn on the flirtation again, and Elizabeth wasn't having it. Right. I think this is almost Wickham's, like, hey, you know, here we are again, you know, <laughs> fate keeps bringing us together, right? It's like, you're a married man <laughs> you're now. You're my brother-in-law, <laughs> and I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> they seemed, each of them... 
Liddy and Wickham, to have the happiest memories in the world. Oh my goodness. Nothing of the past was recollected with pain. And Lydia led voluntarily to subjects which her sisters would not have alluded to for the world. Mm. More of what we were saying. Like, Lydia's not embarrassed about anything that's happened. No, she is going to lead this conversation because, you know, she does love to talk about herself. Uh, and I've said in past chapters, but here's the proof. Lydia feels no remorse for the, what she's put her family through. Yeah. Only think of its being three months, Lydia cried, since I went away. It seems but a fortnight, I declare. And yet there have been things enough happened in that time. Good gracious, when I went away, I am sure I had no more idea of being married till I came back again. Though I thought it would be very good fun if I was. <laughs> Alright, so it's been three months since I went away to Brighton, right? Yeah. But it seems, it seems but a fortnight, I declare. Is it true that she's been living like in sin with Wickham for the last two weeks? I mean, we can, like, we can try to, like, get the timeline right, but I think she, like, she ran away and then was discovered in, like, the span of two weeks. She ran away with Wickham and then was discovered in the span of two weeks, right? Yeah, so she'd been, like, living with Wickham in London, unmarried, for, I think, two weeks. Well, so then this makes that, this makes that statement that I've been away for three months, but it only seems like a fortnight all the more hilarious. Oh, yeah. It's like, I've been gone for three months, but I'm only thinking of the last two weeks, right? That's true, yeah. <laughs> or maybe, well, it, or just, like, it just all blends into, like, such good fun that, like, whether or not she got married, like, doesn't even play a role in it. Uh, just one, like, yeah. Just, like, one big orgy to One her. long fortnight of sin. <laughs> and then she says, Good gracious, when I went away to Brighton, I am sure I had no more idea of being married till I came back to Longbourn again. I had no anticipation that I was going to get married in Brighton, right? Mm -hmm. Although, I thought it would be very good fun if I w did get married. <laughs> That's Lydia's favorite word, fun. Yeah. Her life is completely driven by having fun. And that's also what she thinks of marriage. There's yeah. no gravity attached to the marriage state for Lydia. It's just good fun. Yeah. I'm just going to get married. It'll be hilarious. <laughs> It'll be a laugh. Uh -huh. When I sign my letter, Mrs. Wiccan. <laughs> <laughs> Her father lifted up his eyes. Jane was distressed. Elizabeth looked expressively at Lydia. But she, who never heard nor saw anything of which she chose to be insensible... <sighs> Gaily continued. That's another little insight into Lydia. <laughs> she never heard nor saw anything of what she chose to be insensible. So she has tunnel vision. Yeah. I see what I, I see and I hear what I want to. <laughs> and she gaily continues. Oh, mama, do the people here about know I am married today? I was afraid they might not. And we overtook William Goulding in his curacle. So I was determined he should know it. And so I lit down the side glass next to him and took off my glove and let my hand just rest upon the window frame so that he might see the ring. And then I bowed and smiled like anything. <sighs> Here's another great carriage-based story from Lydia. <laughs> so there, she's worried that people in town might not know she's married, although everyone does. <laughs> And as they're riding along today in their carriage, they see William Golding, who I think uh, in the last chapter, Mrs. Bennett was trying to push out of their house, right? So that oh, Lydia that's and right. could live yeah, there. Yeah, uh, that's funny. And Lydia, just in case he doesn't know, takes off her glove with the ringed finger uh -huh. and just like rests it <laughs> not discreetly in William Golding's sight <laughs> and then bows and smiles like anything. What does I, that even mean? Smiles like anything? I like... think it means as if like nothing, as if everything was normal. Kind oh, of, okay, right? okay. Oh my gosh. Elizabeth could bear it no longer. She got up and ran out of the room and returned no more till she heard them passing through the hall to the dining parlor. She, she then joined them soon enough to see Lydia, with anxious parade, walk up to her mother's right hand and hear her say to her eldest sister, Ah, Jane, I take your place now, and you must go lower, because I am a married woman. And there lies Lydia's, like crown crowning accomplishment do you want to explain just a little bit the etiquette of like uh, seating a ring yeah, sure. at this time uh -huh. so like the order always goes from like oldest to youngest if they're unmarried uh -huh. but now lydia is a married woman so she whoever's the married woman gets to be at the 
at the front of the line. Right. Who the, gets to stand next to and walk beside Mrs. Bennet. It kind of vaults you up into the position of the eldest daughter. Yeah. Uh-huh. So Lydia used to be last. She used to have to be last to, like, leave the room and go wherever. But now she has just been catapulted to first place. And that, I think, is her, like... Her crowning achievement here is yeah. that now she gets to overtake Jane. Uh-huh. She gets to sit next to Mrs. Bennett at the head of the table. Mm-hmm. What is, and with anxious parade, how do you read that? Well, she's just like, she's not being coy about it. She's not being like, oh, Jane, like, I'm supposed to take your place now. She is, like, loudly declaring to the room, like, with, with like, you know, like a swish of her dress. She's like, now I take, now I stand next to Mama, uh-huh. <laughs> and you have to go behind me. <laughs> this is a ceremony she wants everyone to see, and <laughs> I feel like parade is also a word that Mr. Bennett connects Mrs. Bennett oh, to yeah, that's right. in the last uh, previous chapter. So because yeah, when Jane comes down to fetch the tea for Mrs. Bennett, he's mm-hmm. like, this is a parade. Yeah, right. <laughs> this is like this is a lark. So Lydia also enjoys parades, <laughs> parades of which she's the center. <laughs> Yeah, so she she slights Jane. Jane, give me your spot now at the head of the table because I'm a married woman. It was not to be supposed that time would give Lydia that embarrassment from which she had been so wholly free at first. (laughs) What does that mean? Well, it's an understatement. Yeah. It was not to be supposed that Uh time would give Lydia, like, would humble her. Yeah. Like, yeah, as we've clearly seen. Like, time and circumstances have not humbled Lydia at all. Uh, she is not going to come to realize that she acted shamefully in mm-hmm. all this. That That's just that. That's beyond what Lydia is capable of. <laughs> her ease and good spirits increased. <laughs> she longed to see Mrs. Phillips, the Lucases, and all their other neighbors, and to hear herself called Mrs. Wickham by each of them. And in the meantime... She went after dinner to show her ring and boast of being married to Mrs. Hill and the two housemaids. Rude. But yeah. that's just, okay, well, so yeah, she, not only is she, like, never going to change, but now she's only going to be more happy and more, in more good spirits. And she's also going to go, like, visit all these people who, you know, a couple days ago were wishing that she would turn to a life of prostitution, right? Yeah, yeah. And to hear, to hear them, like, eat crow and call her Mrs. Wickham. Uh-huh. Although she didn't know about the backbiting, but... she Well, she, maybe she does. I think she is privy to town gossip. She herself is a gossiper. I guess She so. might be doing it as, like, a to rub it in their faces. Yeah. Well, not, like, as if she knew what they were saying, but just sort of, like, bragging without realizing what... I don't know. I think it also just indicates her shamelessness. Like, there's maybe no thought in Lydia's head that, like, hey, these people, like, know about my whole sordid past, kind mm. of, right? Well, it's to sh- her, it's not even sordid. Yeah, exactly. It's just like, I'm going to go show off to them now. I'm Mrs. Wickham. <laughs> I'm Mrs. Wickham. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh, God. And that's, it's the, so, she's, oh, sorry. What are we going to say? She's so shameless that she's now going to throw it in, the, like, the servants' faces, too, Oh, yeah, right? yeah. And the irony is that she has no idea what the townspeople actually think about Wickham. They know what he is now. And she's going to walk around showing off her ring as if she caught, like, the the best, the biggest fish. Uh-huh. And it's like, no, he, you caught, like, like, everyone knows who you're married to. And, like, you have no idea. I guess that only, like, that's actually a good wife for Wickham in that sense. <laughs> like, you, he needs a shameless wife to not be embarrassed by, like, oh, yeah. all the misdeeds he's done, all the debts he's left in his wake. Oh, but then, yeah, to your point, he she then goes um, to the servants, who probably would never have an opportunity to marry well or to even get married. Uh-huh. And, and to Mrs. Hill, who Mrs. Bennett was, like, basically Mrs. Bennett's, like, therapist at first. Oh, yeah, uh, that's right. Like, look at, look at my ring. <laughs> Isn't it shiny? <laughs> well, Mama, said Lydia, when they were all returned to the breakfast room, and what do you think of my husband? Is not he a charming man? I am sure my sisters must all envy me. I only hope they may have half my good luck. They must all go to Brighton. That is the place to get husbands. What a pity it is, Mama. We did not all go. I mean, that certainly is a place to, like, get seduced and abducted. Uh, if that's how you want to play it. I don't know. I feel like it should be evident just, like, how cringy Lydia is it's being cringy. here. Uh, yeah. Well, what is Mrs. Bennett saying? Well, to this? she is hitting the heart of the matter with Mrs. Bennett. Uh, is that yeah, it's a pity that we all didn't go. Yeah, what is Mrs. Bennett saying? Very true. And if I had my will, we should. <laughs> so she's still willing now, she's still ready to take all her daughters to Brighton, I guess. <laughs> uh, 
Oh, yeah, you're right. Like, we will. Mm -hmm. Or if I had my will, we should. But my dear Lydia, I don't at all like you're going such a way off. Must it be so that you're leaving so far away? To go to the north. Mm -hmm. I guess it's also we have have failed to mention so far in this chapter that this, like... The way Lydia behaves is not unprecedented because that's the way Mrs. Bennett behaves. Yeah. And she is equally oblivious to any sort of, like, shame attached to this situation. Mm-hmm. You're right. Uh, okay, yeah. So Mrs. Bennett's like, do you have to go all the way up to the north? And Lydia's like, oh, Lord, yes. <laughs> there is nothing in that. I shall like it of all things. You and Papa and my sisters must come down and see us. We shall be at Newcastle all the winter. And I dare say there will be some balls, and I will take care to get good partners for them all. Meeting my sisters. Yeah. I should like it beyond anything, said her mother. (laughs) Well, that is what Mrs. Bennett was talking about, was that, well, once one of my daughters is married, then I can foist all of my daughters onto that married daughter and never have to go to a ball again. Oh, yeah. Well, this statement about the ball, that I'm going to get all my sisters married, is a power play by Lydia. Uh It's like, hey, look, I'm the top dog here now. (laughs) I found the husband, and maybe I'll, like, graciously get find matches for my other sisters of equal value as Wickham. Or no, no one's of equal value, but close. (laughs) Uh, and also, I think just the fact that she is, like, looking forward to going to the North means she does not recognize this for the banishment that it is. Oh, no, absolutely not. She's like, oh, another adventure where there will be more officers and Uh more balls. Okay, so, yeah, her mother's like, I would like it more than anything that you should, that all the sisters should visit you in Newcastle and you'll get them all matches. Lydia says, and then when you go away, you may leave one or two of my sisters behind you. And I dare say I shall get husbands for them before the winter is over. Because now that Lydia's married, she'll be able to, like, play host. And, like, um, like Mrs. Forster. Lydia will become, like, Mrs. Forster. And yeah. we all saw how great Mrs. Forster was uh, with exactly. taking care of her guests. Except she has an even more ridiculous husband than Mrs. Forster. <laughs> yeah. Imagine the kind of matches that Lydia would dig up if Wickham is her husband. Just, like, you know, the most foolish, like, devious men and. Uh-huh the military. Well, what does Elizabeth say to this? I thank you for my share of the favor, said Elizabeth, but I do not particularly like your way of getting husbands. Right. So first part, like snarky, sarcastic. Second part, to the point. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't like your way of getting husbands. Then it says, they're visitors, and then it just breaks off to the next scene. That's kind of a hard cut for Austin. I appreciate that. Elizabeth's just like, I don't like your way of getting husbands, and it's like, next scene. (laughs) The visitors, Wickham and Lydia, were not to remain above ten days with them. Mr. Wickham had received his commission before he left London, and he was to join his regiment at the end of a fortnight, at the end of two weeks. So even though ten days sounds like a long time, it's not that long a time by the standards of Regency era when travel took so much longer, right? Yeah, you're right. But it's still, that's all a long time to be stuck with Lydia and Wickham. (laughs) No one but Mrs. Bennet regretted that their stay would be so short, and she made the most of the time by visiting about with her daughter and having very frequent parties at home. These parties were acceptable to all. To avoid a family circle was even more desirable to such as did think than such as did not. (laughs) Yeah, so to avoid a family circle was even more desirable to the people who did think than it was to the people who did not think. And why is that? Well, to avoid a family circle, meaning to be kind of just, like, by yourself rather than with a large group of people. Uh, just the Bennets and Wickham. Yeah. Was, um, sorry, was, to avoid it, was yeah. even more desirable to the members of the family who are able to think. Who have who an have, ounce of intelligence. Yeah, 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 who can think, than such as did not contain an ounce of intelligence. Uh-huh. So the people who... <laughs> don't have any intelligence or shame are, of course, organizing these parties. Yeah. And then Austin is like, well, the people who do have a intelligence and shame are even more relieved than the people who create these parties because at least it means they won't have to talk to Lydia and Wickham, right? Mm-hmm. Very, like, another very astute observation by Austin, you know, which you would not even think about. It's like, yeah, the irony here is that, like, the people who have a brain cell would enjoy these parties created by the people who lack brain cells or like re- it's a relief to them yeah that other people are around yeah uh, makes have, sense you'd rather kind of buffer you'd rather be in a large group of people with what the person you despise than like a smaller group of people with a person you despise absolutely 
Okay, and just more, like, shamelessness. The fact that this is, like, now her marriage tour, kind of. Mm. Like, let me go, like, show around my ring to everyone. Let's invite everyone here to celebrate the wedding. I didn't even get off my carriage yet before I took off my glove to show it to some uh, passerby. Some guy. <laughs> Wickham's affection for Lydia was just where Elizabeth had expected to find it. Not equal to Lydia's for him. So, Elizabeth, on perceiving Wickham and Lydia... All her expectations are validated. Lydia loves Wickham way more than Wickham loves Lydia, right? Mm. Elizabeth had scarcely needed her present observation to be satisfied from the reason of things that their elopement had been brought on by the strength of Lydia's love rather than by his. What does this mean? She had scarcely needed her present observation to be satisfied from the reason of things that their elopement had been brought on by the strength of Lydia's love rather than Wickham's. Well, she, like, she, it's confirmed. Uh-huh. Her, her, her um, assumption has been confirmed. But she barely, she didn't even need, she didn't even need um, to watch them, to observe them, to sort of come to that conclusion. Right. Just, like, the whole situation, like, by reason, kind of states that, like, hey, I'm sure Lydia was probably more in love with Wickham than the reverse, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. And why is that? Okay, um, and she would have wondered why, without violently caring for her, he chose... Okay, Elizabeth would have wondered why, without violently caring for Lydia, Wickham chose to elope with her at all. Mm. Had she not felt certain that his flight was rendered necessary by distress of circumstances, and if that were the case, he was not the young man to resist an opportunity of having a companion. So this is all sort of just going back to what Elizabeth had suspected mm-hmm. was Wickham's reason to abduct Lydia. And this is what we both speculated yeah. also. Yeah, that the reason, truly the reason, like we, Lydia ran away with Wickham because she does have like affection for him because she wants to get married. She's boy crazy. She's officer crazy. And Wickham is also kind of like the most charming, handsome officer there is, right? Mm-hmm. Not too hard. But the reason that Wickham ran away with Lydia is not because of anything that had to do with Lydia. He just had to get out of town. Yeah. He had a lot of debts and enemies in Brighton. Right. Distress of circumstances, uh-huh. as it's so um, coyly referred to. And he was not the young man to resist an opportunity of having a companion. He knew Lydia liked him, and so he was just like, well, if I gotta go into hiding, I'm gonna bring this young girl with me for some entertainment and amusement, yeah. right? He's still a young man, after all. Uh-huh. A young man... Wants what a young man wants. What is he? Probably like late twenties. I don't know if we're ever really given sure. a specific age, but I think it's probably safe to assume somewhere around there. Yeah, maybe around Darcy's age. Uh-huh. So maybe late twenties. Okay, and that's. I feel like especially Wickham seems especially bad now in modern life, but even then, it's like Wickham felt no special affection for Lydia. He really just thought that he could like have fun with her, like, take her around for, like, amusement and had no other serious intention than that. Yeah, it really just, it really just, oh, God, the more I think about it, the more just, like, disgust I feel for Wickham because he did it as, like, an afterthought. He, like, completely could have ruined this girl's life as Uh, as a complete afterthought. Yeah, he did not leave town to elope with Lydia. He was driven out of town to escape his enemies that he made very, like, that he made, you know. Yeah, and he also realized... Well, I'm going to be bored hiding out in London, and this girl likes me, so I'll take her with me. Uh Uh-huh. What's her name again? Linda? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Lydia was exceedingly fond of him. He was her dear Wickham on every occasion. Mm. No one was to be put in competition with him. He did everything best in the world. And she was sure he would kill more birds on the 1st of September than anybody else in the country. So that, the 1st of September is the beginning of hunting season. Right. So, well, okay, just to go back to what we were saying earlier, I, just to, like, I think it's pretty obvious already, but to state it outright, like, that is, (laughs) Wickham and Lydia's, like, their origins is not the recipe for a happy marriage. Mm Mm-mm. Uh, yeah, but then, so this is the proof that Lydia is actually fond of Wickham, because she's always calling her her, she's always calling him her dear Wickham, and no one could compare with him. And, of course, once hunting season starts, he's going to kill more birds than anybody else, right? 
Yep. And I don't know, I, this is that's wild. Like, yeah, go ahead. Well, no, what were you going to say? What were you going to say? Well, that's like the equivalent of like, oh, I'm dating the quarterback of the high school football team. Right. Know? Yeah. He's the best jock also. Yeah. Right. This is wild speculation, but I don't, and I don't know, but I, I do know sometimes in like English slang, birds is a shorthand for women. Oh. I don't know if it was in use in Regency period. Yeah. Yeah. But kind of might be like a... <laughs> accidental pun on uh, Lydia's part slash purposeful in Austin's. <laughs> mm-hmm, maybe. One morning, soon after their arrival, as she was sitting with her two elder sisters, Lydia said to Elizabeth, Lizzie, I never gave you an account of my wedding, I believe. You were not by when I told Mama and the others all about it. The others probably being servants. <laughs> and maybe Kitty. Mm. Are not you curious to hear how it was managed, how the marriage was? No, really, replied Elizabeth. I think there cannot be too little said on the subject. Mm, pretty straightforward. <laughs> Please stop talking about it. Mm-hmm. Lydia says, La, you were so strange, but I must tell you how it went off. So completely disregards Elizabeth. <laughs> yeah, right. Does well, not even register what Elizabeth said. She's going to tell this story no matter what. We were married, you know, at St. Clement's, a church. Because Wickham's lodgings were in that parish. So Wickham lived within the parish of this one particular church. <laughs> and that's like where you would traditionally get married. It's just like everything is kind of comical because of how the marriage was brought off. Yeah. It's like, who cares about what church you were married at in uh, London? Like you were almost like living in, you were almost like a doomed woman. It's not like Wickham is like a member of this church. She no. doesn't like attend services there. <laughs> that was, this was just the church where they're like the hotel room of sin they were living in happened to be in. <laughs> yeah. All right, but anyway, we were married in St. Clement's because Wickham's, lo- Wickham's lodgings were in that parish, and it was settled that we should all be there by 11 o'clock. My uncle and aunt and I were to go together, and the others were to meet us at the church. Well, Monday morning came, and I was in such a fuss. I was so afraid, you know, that something would happen to put it off, and then I should have got, then I should have gone quite distracted being like crazy, kind of. Mm-hmm. I would have gone insane. I was so afraid, you know, that something would happen to put it off. And if that were to happen, I would have gone quite insane, right? <laughs> and there was my aunt all the time I was dressing, preaching and talking away, just as if she were reading a sermon. However, I did not hear above one word in ten, for I was thinking, you may suppose, of my dear Wickham. I longed to know whether he would be married in his blue coat. So I can, like, see this happening. I can mm-hmm. see Lydia probably staring at herself in the mirror, getting dressed. Mrs. Gardner trying to instill some, some like, like some, like, intelligence into her, her, um, her niece as to, like, the gravity of the situation that she is in. Just, like, trying to instill some, like, just, like, trying to make her, like, realize what she almost did and, like, what she's about to do. And Lydia is, like, not paying attention. She is, she's, there's a thought bubble above her head and is imagining what Wickham looks like in a blue coat. Yeah, she hears one word in ten. She's trying to think about what Wickham would be wearing. <laughs> also, a little bit of a callback to when Bingley first arrives and oh, yeah. all that the sisters can see is he's wearing a blue coat. Nice little, like, recurring image from right. the novel. Uh-huh. Yeah, blue coats were fashionable, I guess. I guess so, yeah. yeah. Also, a, a callback to the previous chapter where... Um, all Mrs. Bennett could think about was Lydia's wedding clothes, as if that was the most important thing in the world at, at this wedding. And here Lydia is, the only thing on her mind is wedding clothes. Yeah, good point. Yeah, just another connection. Lydia and Mrs. Bennett are like peas in a pod. <laughs> That's why Lydia is the, the pride and joy of Mrs. Bennett, as perverse as that is. Well, this is Lydia still talking. <laughs> well, and we so breakfast at 10 as usual. I thought it would never be over. For, by the by, you are to understand that my uncle and aunt were horrid unpleasant all the time I was with them. Oh my god. <laughs> I love, this is just, this is great that the Gardners have sacrificed so much to like, and put their reputation in the line to bring Lydia back into society, and she is not grateful at all. Yeah. They were so unpleasant, they kept <laughs> preaching to me. <laughs> if you'll believe me, I did not once put my foot out of doors, though I was there a fortnight. They wouldn't even let me go out. Uh, not one party, or scheme, or anything. To be sure, London was rather thin, but however, the little theater was open. So, 
I think she's pissed at the gardeners because they wouldn't let her go out and party while she was in London, right? Yeah, no, I'm sure they're, like, keeping her on a very tight leash so that they don't fucking lose her again. Not one party, not one scheme, nothing. Not not one theater. (laughs) Not even a little scheme. (laughs) And to be sure, London was rather thin. I think that just means, like, nothing was going on, kind of, right? Yeah, Yeah, like, okay, yeah, there weren't a lot of people, but the theater was open. Uh Uh, well, and so, just as the carriage came to the door, my uncle was called away upon business to that horrid man, Mr. Stone. And then, you know, when once they got, when, when once they get together, there is no end of it. <laughs> well, I was so frightened, I did not know what to do, for my uncle was to give me away, and if we were beyond the hour, we could not be married all day. Alright, let's pause there for a second. Okay. So, Lindy is kind of, like, jumping all over in this story, but she's like, finally, the carriage came to the door to take me away to my wedding, right? Mm-hmm. But just then, Uncle Gardner was called away on business to that horrid man, Mr. Stone. This is the second ish, um, use of horrid. Anything who just, like, doesn't do what Lydia wants them to do is horrid. Uh-huh. Horrid unpleasant to me. Horrid <laughs> Mr. Stone. <laughs> Uh, my book says that she is misremembering the name of the Gardner lawyer, Haggerston, when she says this. I have that too. And I also have here that maybe this Mr. Stone person, um, that she mistook Mr. Stone, who was a real person, for Haggerston, and that maybe Mr. Stone came by to drop off the marriage license. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter. Point yeah. is that she is upset that this person is in the way of her perfect day. Uh-huh. Delaying her beautiful marriage. <laughs> Uh, because once Mr. Gardner and this other guy start talking, there's no end of it. And I was so frightened, I did not know what to do because my uncle was going to give me away. And if we were beyond the hour, we could not be married all day. So and beyond the yeah. hour, meaning, so back then, you could only be married between 8 a.m. and noon. Otherwise, you would have to wait. And so Lydia was worried that, oh, no, once this guy comes, he and Mr. Gardner are just going to talk, 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 talk their heads off. And mm. before you know it, it's going to be past noon and we're not going to be able to get married. Right. And it'll be all because of this horrid man, Mr. Stone. <laughs> of course, the irony is that, like, like we are trying to rush this marriage. Uh-huh. I'm sure he probably expressed the freaking marriage license and that's right. why they're talking. Lydia continues. And then, you know, when once they, d- okay, when once they get together, there's no end of it. Well, I was so frightened. I did not know what to do. Blah, 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 blah. But luckily, he came back, Mr. Gardner came back in 10 minutes time, and then we all set out. However, I recollected afterward that had he, that if he had been prevented from going, had Mr. Gardner been prevented from going, the wedding need not be put off, for Mr. Darcy might, has do, might have done as well in giving me away, right? Mm. But luckily, Mr. Gardner came back in time, and then we all set out. However, after we left, I remembered... That if Mr. Gardner had been prevented from going, we wouldn't have had to put the wedding off because Darcy could have just given me away, right? So that's a new... That's... Way to bury the lead, Uh, Lydia. Yeah. All the way at the end of this massive story. Lydia, I think, is the only one who really talks in multiple paragraphs. Uh, Because, like, this is is two paragraphs of of all monologuing just on Lydia's part. Of just, like, chatter. Yeah. Probably, like, (laughs) at a very quick pace. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then she just drops this bomb at the end. Oh, Mr. Darcy was there, by the way. Yeah. He could have given me away if Mr. Gardner was too busy. Yeah, like, oh, I was was so panicked about Mr. Gardner not being to give me away. And then I realized, oh, wait, Mr. Darcy could have just given me away. Okay, bye. Uh, uh, yeah, well, what does Elizabeth say to this? She says, Mr. Darcy, repeated Elizabeth in utter astonish- amazement. Yeah, as we all are. Lydia says, oh, yes, he was to come there with Wickham, you know. But gracious me, I quite forgot. I ought not have said a word about it. I promised them so faithfully. <laughs> what will Wickham say? It was to be such a secret. Yeah, we know what a Lydia promise is worth. Lydia has didn't even try to conceal it. Uh, like... She has not been here. She, like, actively sought out Elizabeth to rehash the, all the d- details of her wedding and then also just, like, tacked on the secret as an afterthought. It is kind of an interesting question. Is like, did Lydia really just accidentally drop this information? Was there some reason that she wanted Elizabeth to know that Darcy was there? I don't know. It's a good question. She did seek out Elizabeth specifically, but that was because Elizabeth was not there the first time that she was telling the story to the family. But it is interesting that Lydia happened to have dropped this big secret about Darcy 
with the only person who has any relation to Darcy in the family. She doesn't know that, though. I don't think oh, she Lydia doesn't know knows that. that. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're actually right, yeah. I think I could see it either way. I think Lydia is just so, like, airheaded and bubbly that she could kind of have just, like, oh, well, I forgot I wasn't supposed to mention Darcy, right? Maybe she managed to keep it a secret the first three times that she told the story but now uh, the fourth time she's telling it to elizabeth she's like oh yeah and then darcy was there well oh, maybe shit, she didn't even manage to, to keep it a secret like it doesn't signify to mrs bennett whether darcy was there or not right well that's what i mean like when i think oh you're right well mr mrs bennett wouldn't care i don't think right so maybe lydia even mentioned darcy to her and it just like nothing came of it oh yeah that could also be true well, okay, so option A is she is just so, like, kind of airheaded that it doesn't even occur to her that she should keep this secret, right? <laughs> or Plus, she doesn't know why, what reason would there be to keep the secret that Darcy's there. She doesn't care where any of this money's coming from. Or two, maybe it adds a little bit of importance to the marriage or something. Hmm. Like, she did purposely reveal it as kind of, like, name-dropping, like, oh, you know, oh, by the way, Darcy was there. He could have given me away, too, if Mr. Gardner hadn't been able to. Yeah. I don't know. We we don't really know what her first few iterations of this story is, but... I don't know. It's definitely not... Like, now that I'm thinking about it, I don't think it was, like, on purpose because Elizabeth was there. Because she doesn't know the extent yeah. of Elizabeth's relation with Darcy. I think it's probably safest just to chalk it up to Lydia's carelessness. I think so, yeah. I mean... I mean, this whole this whole frantic monologue is all carelessness. Uh, she calls people horrid. She's not using correct like language. She's like, she's there's like, lots of wells and you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like commenting on her own sentences. Yeah, like I totally get that she would have. And this, this the story's all over the place. The story's yeah. all over the place, and. Yeah, yeah, I think I think I, she just was an airhead and forgot to um, omit that part. Oops, forgot even that though, that was supposed to be a secret. Yeah. Even though she promised them so faithfully. <laughs> what will Wickham say? <laughs> okay, and then... <laughs> if it was to be secret, said Jane, say not another word on the subject. You may depend upon my seeking no further. Thanks, Jane. Damn it, Jane! <laughs> this is the juiciest gossip we've ever yeah, received, uh, and now you're like, don't tell us anymore. Yeah. Well, if it's a secret, don't say anything. <laughs> oh, certainly, said Elizabeth, though with burning curiosity. We will ask you no questions. <laughs> I think Elizabeth is kind of a little shamed into this position by Jane's first, like, effusement of don't tell us any secrets. Yeah, right? yeah. It was, things were a little different back then. Like, you really shouldn't press for people to reveal secrets. It's not, like, as casual as it is now they're also dealing with someone like lydia who you're trying to show a better example oh, for kind of yeah, like you right. can't like treat lydia like a companion like because <laughs> she's not like lydia is so wild that you can't like step a little bit over a line because lydia's gonna take it so far right? yeah yeah you give her an inch like brighton and she'll take a mile like <laughs> run away with an unmarried man thank you said lydia for if you did ask me more questions i should certainly tell you all and then Wickham would be angry. Just dangling, uh -huh. dangling that bait. If you wanted to ask me more, I'm going to tell you everything. <laughs> On such encouragement to ask, Elizabeth was forced to put it out of her power by running away. This is the second time Elizabeth has run away from Lydia. <laughs> the only way that she can, like, not give in to her, her like... The, the little devil on her shoulder and ask Lydia for more information is to just physically leave the, uh -huh. the premise. But to live in ignorance on such a point was impossible, or at least it was impossible not to try for information. Mr. Darcy had been at her sister's wedding. It was exactly a scene and exactly among people where he had apparently least to do and least temptation to go. <laughs> That's an understatement. <laughs> yeah, like why in the name of everything on earth would Darcy be in this wedding, right? Yeah. Because it has Wickham, who he despises, and Lydia, like one of... Uh, Elizabeth's, you know, loathed connections, right? <laughs> Possibly her most loathed connection. <laughs> Conjectures as to the meaning of Darcy's appearance, rapid and wild, hurried into Elizabeth's brain, but she was satisfied with none. Those that best pleased her, as placing his conduct in the noblest light, seemed impossible. Those, like, conjectures that best pleased Elizabeth that would place Darcy's conduct in the best light seemed improbable. She could not bear such suspense, and hastily seizing a sheet of paper, 
wrote a short letter to her aunt to request an explanation of what Lydia had dropped, if it were compatible with the secrecy which had been intended. So she, Elizabeth, resolves to write a letter to Mrs. Gardner to find out the explanation of what Lydia had said about Darcy, if Mrs. Gardner were free to talk about it, right? Mm -hmm. You want to read this? You may readily comprehend, she added, Elizabeth added, so this is in in the letter, what my curiosity must be to know how a person unconnected with any of us, and comparatively speaking, a stranger to our family, should have been amongst you at such a time. Pray write instantly, and let me understand it, unless it is, for very cogent reasons, to remain in the secrecy which Lydia seems to think necessary, hardly, Hmm. and then I must endeavor to be satisfied with ignorance. So yeah, she's just saying like, please tell me why Darcy was at this wedding because he is of no relation to us and is practically a stranger to our family. Um, and, but if you absolutely have to keep it a secret that because as Lydia seems to be indicating, then keep it a secret and I will just have to suffer in silence. Uh-huh. Not that I sh- shall though, Elizabeth added to herself as she finished the letter. Not that I shall be satisfied with English. <laughs> <laughs> and my dear aunt, if you do not tell me in an honorable manner, I shall certainly be reduced to tricks and stratagems to find it out. <laughs> this is Elizabeth talking to herself. So she's like, yeah, I'm going to say if you have to keep it a secret, let it be so. But if you don't tell me, I'm going to have to wring it out of you. I'm going to find out one way or another. <laughs> Jane's delicate sense of honor would not allow her to speak to Elizabeth privately of what Lydia had lit fall about Darcy. So even in private, Lydia, uh, uh, sorry, Jane is just like ever the most moral person. She won't even talk about the thing that accidentally let slip in private with Elizabeth. Jane is almost like decorious to like a fault almost. Yeah, I don't know. I kind of think Elizabeth really wants to talk about uh, it, but Jane refuses to because it was supposed to be a secret. And well, let's, let's just pretend we didn't hear it. Yeah, well, it says Elizabeth was glad of it that Jane didn't talk about Darcy. Mm. Till it appeared whether her inquiries would receive any satisfaction, she would rather be without a confidant. Okay. But I think the big difference is, even if this was about Bingley, I think Jane would just be like, well, I guess it's my fate that I have to live in ignorance, right? <laughs> Where Jane, uh, I mean, Elizabeth, rather, is not going to let that happen. She's going to find out one way or another. Yeah, yeah. And she, hopefully, it's something favorable. And so that is chapter nine. Um, quite the big reveal there. We found out that Darcy... Of all people in the world, Mr. Darcy was at Lydia Wickham's wedding. Yeah, yikes. For for what reason, we still don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, Wickham is back. Lydia and Wickham have made... Well, Lydia, after being hovering over the narrative for so long, is now back in a big way. Oh, yeah, back and bolder than ever. Uh, Wickham kind of falls like uh, to the background of this chapter. Even though he is present for a lot, we don't get any direct quotes from Wickham. That's true, he doesn't speak. It's almost like Lydia's a bigger presence than Wickham is. I mean, she is. Uh, she is She is like a hurricane. She overshadows Wickham. Yeah, Wickham is, we don't know where he is uh-huh. in, throughout this entire chapter, where he's standing, where he's sitting. We don't know where he is. He's there, he's making like pleasantries, but nothing like worth like quoting, I guess. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, well, so that's chapter nine. Yep. And Grace, we have a little bit of news. Do you want to share it? Yeah, we have a letter. Yay. Or an email, I should uh, say. I like to say that they're letters. Must <laughs> be opening the envelope. Or cracking the seal. Okay. Hi, Grace and Tom. Hi. Hello. Hello from Canberra, Australia. Hello. Should we say this is from Margaret, by the way? Oh, yes. Hi, Margaret. From Canberra, Australia. Thank you for listening. Uh, she writes, we're in lockdown and your podcast has been a great source of enjoyment for me. Thanks so much for the time you both take to put it together. Thank you. Always glad to hear from listeners abroad. Absolutely. Um, regarding your most recent episode, I think you're referring to chapter six. Volume three, chapter six. Yeah, volume three, chapter uh six here. Um, this is, we record the episodes a little out yeah. of chronology. Well, we do record them in chronology, but the dates are a little out of yeah. time. So this is why it's coming a little later. I thought Mr. Gardner's reference to Lizzie, perhaps knowing more about Wickham's possible relations in London in Volume 3, Chapter 6, could also be because they thought she might have information from Darcy. Like it says later in the chapter, Mrs. Gardner half expects Darcy might write to Lizzie. 
This suggests she thinks they might have formed an engagement before they left Lambton. They were alone together after Lizzie finished reading her letters. That's true. And the gardeners know all about the family connection between Darcy and Wickham's. They already know from their conversation in chapter five that Lizzie knows more than she can tell them about Wickham. And Mrs. Gardner is really curious about how she knows it and on further questioning Lizzie, says she was ignorant until she went to Kent and saw so much of both Darcy and Colonel Fitzwilliam. So I don't think it's an allusion to Lizzie's personal history with Wickham, but to her relationship with Darcy. Um, loving this close reading of the novel is definitely brought to light even more gems and Austin genius that I hadn't noticed before. Agreed. <laughs> thanks so much. Or thanks so much again, Margaret. Thank well, you, Margaret. Yeah, thank you yeah. for writing. Thanks for taking the time. All right, well, let's go to that specific passage that you're talking about in Volume 3, Chapter 6. Yeah. So we'll look, this is at toward the end of Mr. Gardner's letter to everyone at Longbourn, mm -hmm. right? This is a postscript. Uh, and it says, at present we have, and this is still talking about them trying to find Lydia and Wickham. Mm -hmm. It says, at present we have nothing to guide us. Colonel Forrester will, I dare say, do everything in his power to satisfy us on this head. But on second thoughts, perhaps Lizzie could tell us what relations Wickham has now living better than any other person. So they're trying to find out any relations Wickham has for clues about where he and Lydia yeah. might be, right? Anyone that might help Wickham in London. Uh -huh. Mr. Gardner suggests maybe Lizzie knows, maybe Elizabeth knows more about what Wickham's, who Wickham's relations are than anyone else, right? Mm -hmm. And then it goes on to say a narration. Elizabeth was at no loss to understand from whence this deference for her authority proceeded, but it was not in her power to give any information of so satisfactory a nature as the compliment deserved. So I, I think a lot of the confusion comes from, like, how the vague wording of this. Elizabeth was at no loss to understand from whence this deference for her authority proceeded. So... Austin tells, Gardner's like, hey, Elizabeth might know more about Wickham's living relations than anyone else. And then Austin tells us, Elizabeth understands why Mr. Gardner would make such an assertion, right? Mm -hmm. Austin doesn't tell us why Mr. Gardner made such an assertion. Yeah. Elizabeth was at no loss to understand from whence this deference for her authority proceeded. Her authority about Wickham's relations. Yeah, so basically saying Elizabeth perfectly understands what the gardeners are alluding towards, alluding at. And it is either alluding towards her relation with Wickham or alluding to her relation with Darcy. Mm -hmm. And, but it was not in her power to give any information of so satisfactory nature as the compliment deserved. So as the compliment, meaning compliment of the, the like sarcastic compliment of her relationship with Wickham or the genuine compliment of her relationship with Darcy. Right. Or like a more genuine A more compliment. genuine, yeah. Uh, it's kind of up to speculation, honestly. It's a little vague. I mm -hmm. think we both cited... We did talk about this before we recorded this chapter. I think we both cited on the fact or the idea that he was alluding to Elizabeth's former relations with Wickham. And I think the reason we thought that is just because we were reading this as the compliment deserved as more sarcastically. Yeah. Like, it would actually be kind of insulting to link Elizabeth and Wickham now in this situation. But, and then, but Gardner would be doing that just out of, like, desperation of the situation. Mm -hmm. And then Elizabeth is, or Austin, rather, is like, Elizabeth couldn't satisfy, like, this sarcastic, this quote-unquote compliment from Gardner. Right. By giving more information on the head, right? If, yeah. If it is about her relation with Wickham, it's not that Mr. Gardner is, like, sneering at Elizabeth being like, oh, well, she can tell us more. I think they're just actually saying... Elizabeth might be able to tell us more because she has talked to Wickham the most and has had more conversations with him than anyone else in the family. But, Margaret, you do make a good point in that everything that just passed previous to this with the Gardners and Elizabeth have all been about Darcy. And mm -hmm. we know the Gardners speculate a lot on what Elizabeth and Darcy's relationship is and also suspect that they have, there's something deeper going on than what they know. They do, it's like they, it's like they have all of the puzzle pieces to put to come to the conclusion that Lizzie might know something more by relation with um Darcy because it's like you said they knew that Elizabeth and Wickham were talking they knew that Wickham and Darcy knew each other they knew that Elizabeth and Darcy have been talking and they know that Elizabeth sort of alluded that there was stuff that Darcy told her that she can't tell the gardeners so all of these things kind of can 
you can draw a conclusion that Elizabeth might know something more that she's not telling us from her relation with Darcy. It's just like, there's not exactly explicit wording that would that would point to Gardner referring to Darcy in this case. It's not like Gardner's like, I've seen you and Darcy talk, so you must know something, Elizabeth, right? Yeah. He doesn't say, I've seen you and Wickham talk either, so you must know something. But the Gardners do know uh, that Wickham was a former favorite of Elizabeth. Yes. Because Mrs. Gardner, like, alludes to it. Mm-hmm. I think it, it comes down to this one paragraph. Elizabeth was at no loss to understand from whence this deference for her authority proceeded but was not in her power to give any information of so satisfactory a nature as the compliment deserved. You could read that completely, or not completely, but like very genuinely in that like Elizabeth was understanding that the gardeners are referring to her relationship with Darcy, Uh, but unfortunately... she has like some insights into that dynamic between Darcy and Wickham. Yeah, and it would be a compliment to say that she and Darcy are close, but she just doesn't have any satisfactory information on that end. Or, or yeah. the sarcastic sort of um, glib kind of way to, to describe it is that, oh, like, <laughs> she's, it's almost like she's sort of like maybe blushing a little bit at the memory of how close she was with Wickham. Mm-hmm. The compliment being like a sarcastic way of being like, it's kind of insulting now to bring yeah. up Elizabeth's former history with Wickham. It was a compliment, uh-huh. you know, volumes ago, but less so now. Grace's book does have a note that says this yeah. compliment is talking sarcastically about her relationship with Wickham, which is one of the things we are basing our interpretation on. But it is not like the be-all, no. end-all. No, just like our interpretation is not the end-all, be-all. Like, I have, again, like an annotated version where the editor interprets it as being Wickham, and that is sort of maybe a little bit how I, that, that like colored my interpretation a little bit, but I also feel like reading it without, without that, um, without that crutch also, I think in how I read it le- leads me to believe it's more about Wickham than about Darcy. Mm. And it is just overall, it is confusing because it says like Elizabeth knows what that reference is talking about, but it never tells us what the reference is explicitly. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, it never tells us what any of the references to explicitly but you make a good part, Margaret, and I appreciate all your use of evidence. Yeah. It is, it's all true. It mm-hmm. is true that the gardeners, are, they know something's going on between Elizabeth and Darcy, and we know that they are speculating on it between themselves. Yeah. And that Mrs. Gardner is, like, looking for a letter that would signal that they might be engaged. It would be a little, uh, now that I'm thinking about it a little more, it would be pretty bold for Mr. Gardner, although they are in very desperate times right now, it would be a little bold for him to be like, to allude to Elizabeth maybe knowing something from Darcy. Like, Mrs. Gardner won't even ask Elizabeth about it because it would be kind of improper to ask about, oh, are you engaged to this man? So it almost would be like a little, I don't know, a little bit forward for Mr. Gardner to then ask, oh, Elizabeth might know something from Darcy. But I don't know. But then again, maybe because he didn't say anything, Mr. Gardner didn't say a specific person, he could have referred... He could have been referring to Darcy. It could be like an insulting compliment, just that he would be speculating on Elizabeth's many like paramours and love interests, <laughs> right? I don't know. Yeah, Elizabeth can use all of her connections <laughs> right. with all of the the males in her life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, just kidding. But that is it. Gets, it, it is food for thought. What exactly the gardeners are alluding to that Elizabeth might have more knowledge than she is giving that she is letting on. It's also just like. It underlines the this whole conversation, the interesting dynamic of Elizabeth going from, like, Wickham's being her favorite to Darcy being her new favorite. And Wickham being, like, an absolute shitheel. <laughs> uh, I'm not familiar with that expression, but I like it. Okay, well, thank you for writing, Margaret. This is definitely a good conversation to have. And I imagine, like, if we were to have it in a classroom, it could take up a whole class, maybe. Mm-hmm. Or at least a good chunk of one. Yeah, but I... I think, I mean, if this were a class, I think Margaret would be able to successfully defend herself, her, her thesis. Yes, lots of good textual evidence. <laughs> All right, well. Oh, and thank you for listening. Too, yeah, Margaret. yeah, thanks so uh, much. And for writing. And for writing in. We love communicating with our listeners. Yes. And it's just, otherwise, it's just the two of us. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking to the void. No, they're out there. <laughs> All uh, right, well. Yeah, okay, well, so until, and, go ahead. Well, until volume three, chapter 10. I'm Grace. And I'm Tom. Bye.